Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. Well, welcome to another episode of Puzzling Company. Happy holidays to all of our listeners out there. Zach, happy holidays to you, sir. Happy holidays to you as well. Zach, what is your go-to Christmas movie? Ooh, that's actually a hard question. There's so many good ones. Uh, Elf is a classic, in my opinion. That's one that I think my family watches every year. I think my personal favorite, which people debate if this is a Christmas movie or a Halloween movie, is Nightmare Before Christmas. Really? That's your favorite? It's by far one of my favorites, yes. I like it. My personal go-to is Jingle All the Way. That's a great one, yeah. I just think the combination... Arnold, right? Arnold, Schwarzenegger, and Sinbad, like... It's just so many quotable lines from that movie. Oh, agreed. The Terrible Man doll. Like, it's just, it's the best. I love watching it every year. Home Alone, probably close second. Home Alone over the years is, this might be disgraceful to you. It just gets, every year, I've just seen it so many times on Christmas Eve when I was a kid growing up. I can't watch it anymore. No! It's lost that thing for me, but for me, I should say. Sure, 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 sure. Fair enough. We don't want to dive too much into movies because our show is all about puzzle games, Zach. And We're taking this episode to do something a little different. Tell us about that a little bit. So most of our episodes, as you know, are covering a specific game that we have on the show that week. This episode is actually going to cover some amazing people who are in a group called the Secret Santa Group. Well, what's that all about? So this is a group for individuals that want to create games for other people. Uh, this is kind of a group where you get, so kind of how the process goes, you sign up for it, you get a few months, because I, I think generally it starts in the summers when you sign up with like Angela. It's usually in our puzzle people group, but you can message Angela about it if you want more details. Yes. Um, but you will create a game for a recipient that you will learn about And they don't know what's coming, but you will create it for them. Uh, It's kind of just a place for you to experiment and kind of create something that you've wanted to for a long time or make just a great gift for someone. And the same thing will happen to you where someone will create a game specifically for you. It's a really cool concept from our research and understanding this. The official start of this was somewhere four or five years ago. Um, But we think of the origin of it as year one as being when Angela took that over as administrating and organizing the Mm -hmm. event. And if you're wondering, who's this Angela you talking about? We're talking about Angela Lawson Scott, who is the owner of Kraken at Mysteries games like Root of All Evil, Double Major, and Soup is also another game that gets sold under that moniker. So Mm -hmm. um, that's who we're talking about. But she spends quite a bit of time organizing this event Mm -hmm. because one thing that I think is really cool about this is not only do you sign up for it, but you get to kind of set your preferences a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. You get to kind of decide what you want to create as well as like what you kind of want in a game. So if you're looking for like, you know, I think they generally try to match you with people who are kind of the same interests. So you might, you know, you might be creating a digital game and you might be receiving something that's kind of similar most of the time. I'm, we haven't participated personally, but we've just kind of heard from experiences but it, it just seems like a really cool group in general to get to do things. But it, it just seems like a very good way to spend the holidays. And that's what we're going to spend this episode doing. It'll still be our three sections, but you're going to meet a different person who has participated. Mm-hmm. A lot of these people are figures in our community that we hear from regularly that 
selfishly, we also just wanted to get to know a little better because we admired them from afar and we think they're pretty cool and that we all deserve to hear from them a little bit. So we have three wonderful guests. We're not going to spoil who that is. You don't open your presents two days before Christmas. You, you open them on Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to spend some time diving into those individuals' experience. And we kind of have a, a vision for what we hope from this, right, Zach? Mm-hmm. One of my big things is I hope there's just an appreciation for these people, yeah. right? Anytime somebody puts in the time and effort to make a game, whether it's for one person or a million person, our personal view on Puzzling Company is that that person's deserving of talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit of what we're getting into here is we cover mass market games. We cover small market games. We also want to cover the person that makes one game for one person. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's important. And that we, as Puzzling Company evolves and grows, that we don't lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. And Christmas is a great time to honor people like that. Mm-hmm. But we have a bigger vision for this too, right? Yeah, and our, our big goal of this is just to have more people involved. I mean, every person we've talked to about it loves it, and they keep saying there should be more people doing it. And every year, it seems that more people do generally sign up, you know, but some, you know, it, it is a time commitment. There's some things in it. So some people drop out, and that's right. okay. There's some expectations but that come with it. I think most people don't do it because they they see things and they're they're worried that they won't meet expectations of what other people create. Or they're nervous, or they're like, I'm not sure it's a great idea. I don't know if they'll like it. And it seems like, from all the people I hear, it is just an amazing group that loves being supportive and creating great games. So you should definitely try it. I think every person you'll hear in their interview will basically praise it, uh, as well as kind of give you some maybe some tips as well if you want to try to get into it. Absolutely. And there's been really cool creators that we've had on the show whose games are now sold in stores and have had successful Kickstarters. Like some really cool stuff has come from this. So even if you never intend and want to sell things, you don't want to do it as a business. If you're someone that's listening out there and you have an idea for a game, this is a great place for you to do it, for to, to give up the excuses and go for it and make something cool for just one other person. So that's what our episode's about today. So Zach, I don't want to waste any more time us talking about it. Let's start meeting some of the cool people that make these games. Silent Night. Okay, Jared. I don't know what's going on, but I really do not like this new creepy version of A Silent Night. Zach, I'm so sorry. I'm just so caught up in this new game that I'm playing. Well, tis the season to be jolly. Actually, this season, it's more like a murder with all of the trimmings. (gasps) This new game called Violent Night by Sultans of Solve is a really cool new premium experience. You'll solve a series of puzzly clues to try to bring a killer to justice. Well, if you want to play a Violent Night this Christmas, you can go to sultansofsolve.com and purchase it there. Just make sure you don't pick it up the knife before Christmas. Well, here we are in our first section of today's show with our first guest. And I think that this is a really good guest to have because of the three guests that we have today, she's like the OG. She was there for the first year of Secret Santa under Angela's direction, Mm -hmm. works with Angela on projects, uh, is a creator herself. And I don't want to dig in too much because I think we should meet her before that. So guest number one, I feel like this is a little bit like of a dating show, like guest number one, tell us a little bit about yourself. But if you will, please tell us your name and a little bit about yourself. Hello, my name is Jen McPhillamy and I am uh, proud to be number one. And <laughs> you should be proud, Jen. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I've been a three-year participant in the Secret Santa and 
also designed SOUP, Society for the Observation of Unknown Phenomena, that you referenced, and I'm excited to be here. We're super pumped. We yes. we know SOUP was our very first episode. It was. And we've told Angela this, but I don't think we've told you this. We started a wall of components yep. for games whose, it, like the what they came in, the envelope that they came in wasn't worth having in our closet. And the map of SOUP is the focal point. It is of our wall. It is the beginning of everything that is connected to it. So we hope that honors you in some way as well. And those are all real unknown phenomenons. So you could actually plan your next vacation with it as well. That's so cool. That is cool. The cryptids of the world are out there. But it, like I said, it's super great to have you on the show. Mm -hmm. Give us a sense of the first Secret Santa, as we're calling it. You had mentioned in some other conversations that the group had some prior history, but we're trying to cover it since 2019, since, like we said, Angela. How many people did it? What was your experience? What got you involved in it? So I saw there was a Facebook group for just, you know, people who are interested in, you know, tabletop puzzle games or, you know, subscription things. And I was lurking there, just picking up recommendations for games that might be fun. And, and there was a call for participants, like it was getting started. I think it was in the middle of the summer. So it was a crazy, like, I'm not thinking about Christmas. Uh, <laughs> and so I lurked for a little bit. At some point I made one innocuous comment about like, what's involved here? And Angela swooped in and was like, yes, yes, you have to do it. <laughs> uh, and I didn't know her at the time. And so I debated for a while and I was like, oh, okay, what? Oh, I don't know. Can I do this? Uh, and finally decided I should just um, bite the bullet, kill two birds with one stone and make something for my family for Christmas and make the same thing for the secret Santa swap. So it would cover all my Christmas gift gifting that year and decided finally that I would do it after much trepidation. And what they don't tell you is like that the Secret Santa program is just like a breeding ground for imposter syndrome because you're like, oh no, like I can't, like these are people, these are real like professional game designers and things. And so even though, uh, you know, for family and friends or whatever, I've made games, I've never like hadn't tiptoed in that. And so uh, it's a little bit, a little bit intimidating. No, that's, I think that's a really good point because Zach, you and I have been talking about that. We feel like one of the main reasons people might be afraid of doing it is just that. Oh yeah. Cause I think, especially like from when we've covered it or when we've looked in like the Facebook groups, we see like this really beautiful picture that someone creates this great game and kind of get like a preview of it. And it looks intimidating. Cause it's like, you know, let's say you don't have much experience or you're just wanting to create this idea. And it's maybe not like the biggest in terms of components, but it's more like, might be like more mostly digital or might be more paper product. You know, sometimes I see those things and I'm like, Oh geez, like <laughs> I have to create that too. You know, and I think it could be intimidating for sure, especially when you're, you're doing it with like all these great people. But I think from what we've heard, I think it's a great place to do it because it seems that everyone so far has been super supportive and there's been some awesome games that have came out of it in every media. It's not just like only these big complex games. It's simple games. It's fun. It's some comedic, sto some story, some games. story narrative based. Yeah. It, it's been awesome to see all these different creations that came out of a secret Santa. Jen, can you yeah. talk a little bit about the, the culture of support that exists inside? Cause it really becomes this group that is sharing a common goal, even though they're making different things. Absolutely. Well, and ultimately it's, um, 
I mean, people are supportive and it's fun to see new and exciting things and people have great ideas and you have tons of the like, that's amazing. I wish I thought of that. Or like, I can't believe you bent three three months aging paper or whatever it might be. Uh, so there's just like that natural enthusiasm for like, we're all, we're all people that like this sort of thing. So to see like new, new and fresh ideas come to life is exciting. But then it's also, I think there's something about that dynamic of like, I'm making this for one person and one person's making something for me. And that makes it, you know, it's an insane amount of work to give one present to one person <laughs> that you don't even know. I feel like everybody that I've exchanged with in the past, I now know personally, and I love them deeply, <laughs> but they started out as complete and utter strangers. But that notion that it's like, well, I just have to make one. I just have to make one experience that I think would be cool. And it's one thing. And so even if I do something and it's like, it, you know, it took some extra work or it didn't quite come together, whatever. It's like, it's all, it's all doable because I just need to make one thing for this one very nice person. We've heard a lot of stories too, of people sharing resources, mm -hmm. just information that we say this all the time, like what you don't know, you don't know. Do you feel like you're a better game maker after doing this for the last couple of years? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just going through and doing it is an amazing process. And like, you know, you can kind of think about like, well, if I were going to make a game, what would it be? Or I could do something with this, but like actually having to go through it with a deadline, <laughs> like that's experience that is just, you know, I wouldn't trade that for the world. I'm so happy that I did it. And so thinking it through and then like all those little challenges that you kind of see what somebody else did and you're like, oh, I could do my own version of that. And what could that be? Uh, and it all comes together. So a hundred percent, like, yes, I, I'm far more confident about the games that I can create now than, you know, thinking back three years ago when I first started was like, I don't even know if I can make this at all. Uh, that's, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Zach, if you made a game for this group, which obviously that's not something that we're going to do. It's our world. Like, oh, no, you should do <laughs> next year. You should sign up. You sound like Angela. You sound yeah. like she's, yeah. she's infected you and she's not going to get us just yet. She's not going to get us. Although who knows, we may be cooking up something for something else coming in the future. Stay tuned. Uh, but like, if you had to make a game, if, if there's a game in the back of your mind and Jen, I want to pick your brain about this too. What would you make yours about? Like I'm asking more theme than story. What would it, what would the context of it be? I think mine would probably be more. This isn't. I don't know if this is really a theme. I'm going to say realistic. I guess mine. I think would, that's fair. I, mine would be not. It wouldn't be like fantasy or comedic. I think what I what I'm good at at times is more like and then like so. This isn't theme. But I'm going to say emotion based. Yes. So I would I would probably do something that was more. I would delve into my, my myself and kind of figure out things that I'd want to talk about in a way that I think represents me, but also like, if it's a person that I'm making it for, like, it's a way of like exposing myself to that person and be like, Hey, like, I think these things and I'm, you know, mm. like, or it's like the whole, you know, you're not alone. So it's like, just being like, Hey, like I struggle with this or, you know, I've been doing this and I'd kind of make it more realistic, but it'd be like a fun, like realistic journey, I guess is how I like, I, like in my head without telling like more about what I'd want to put in it specifically. That's fair. How, how does that work for you, Jen? Cause you've the very first game that you made and the very first secret Santa you did was soup. And I imagine mm -hmm. that that's gone through some edits to now it's live form like most games do, but I imagine the most of it was there, but then like to go from soup, what did you do in 2020? And if you can give us any hints without spoiling anything about what's coming out this year, how does that work? Cause soup is this 
It's such a fun game. It deals with, with something that's really fun and mysterious in such a great way. Mm -hmm. But then how do you go from that to like, oh, now I want to deal with this. How, how does that work for you? I did something really smart. So after the first year and I came off it and I was like, I had the high of like, I actually made something and it wasn't mm -hmm. terrible. <laughs> Then the next year, I sucked my sister into this process. So for the last two years, my sister and I have collaborated on both the games. So, um, so last year, you know, and that makes it much easier because it gave us gave me somebody to like work with and somebody mm -hmm. who would make half the puzzles. So there you go. <laughs> uh, that worked out great. And so uh, we just batted it around and really wanted to do something we wanted to do something different each year. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, instead of trying to like do something similar to soup or whatever, we were like, we're going to do something totally new and different. And so last year's puzzle and our, our, our secret, secret Santa exchange was based on a pub crawl. So, Interesting. uh, so, you know, that, the uh, write what, you know, <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, we fully embraced. And so uh, the uh, experience that we made last year takes the takes the participant through a series of different kinds of bars and puzzles at each bar to go through an entire pub crawl experience at home from the comfort of your own home in the safety of a uh, COVID. <laughs> That's so cool. What a say? what a great idea. And then can you hint at anything about like um generally as possible because obviously if your secrets if you're the secret santa receiver is listening we don't want to ruin anything from them but like maybe an idea of what's coming this to a, a lucky individual this year yes one lucky individual so once again like we were like let's try and do something new because a lot of this is like we're going to spend the time. We want to be challenged. We mm -hmm. want to do something different, both in terms of the theme, but also the like, what's the puzzle structure or how do we mm. move forward? So last year uh, we introduced um, like text messages as a device to like, you know, exchange, you know, put in answers and advance the storyline. This year we're doing sort of a combination of physical things, but also added a website where you can advance through the story. So in terms of like some of the structure, we've made some changes. And then thematically, we've gone from the unknown to the bars, and now we are absorbed in the world of the fleas. So taking an extreme close up oh. look at your pets <laughs> and thinking about the life of a flea. And we basically follow one flea on his journey through his life, finding happiness. Uh, I won't give any more of it. I love that. That's very cool. Cause isn't uh, Zach, I'd ask you this, like, isn't that cool? Like the same creator we've gone from worldwide cryptids to moving to something that's close to home, like a bar crawl. And then now we're entering another world, the world of like a microscopic organism, almost not really, but like a smaller thing. I love that. Like, I, I just love the creativity and I love that you play with format would you would you go down a similar route? Yeah, I think one of the one of the things I admire about how Jed did that is that specifically, I think sometimes, especially in I'm gonna obviously this is not the secret Santa, but I'm gonna say in mass market of any series or different media, is that generally people play a safer route if they like. Let's say you made pure success, right? Off soup, yes. but then like a lot of people would be like, well, that really worked. We could sell soup too and keep a lot of the same things that people love, but then amp it more, you know, and yes. it, it would feel like, I think you would give yourself disservice of like trying new things and going out on a limb and being like, I'm going to create a new process. That's going to be just as good, yes. you know, or whatever your means of success is. Right. But it's really cool because it's also testing your creative ability. It's 
it, it's almost more admirable for me to see that than someone make the same game like I three times over. Right? I, I totally, and I, I imagine you feel like this is kind of like a grand experiment on some level. Well, yeah, and that's the beauty of the Secret Santa program in general is like, okay, let's let's just try it. And so mm-hmm. when Cheryl and I were brainstorming, like, well, what should the theme be this year? What do we want to do? Like, we discarded the things that felt familiar. And we're like, mm-hmm. well, I, I don't remember seeing anybody else do that. Like, then, then that's probably a good idea. See, this is why I, I've really hated doing these interviews because I know that there's games that I'll never get to play. And that oh, yeah. irks my soul to a level that like... There's this really great Jen McFilmy flea game out there and it's only one other person. It's like a collector's item. And it books. is <laughs> like, how cool is that? A one of a one of one. But like I tell everybody else, like I'm not too proud to beg. And uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of yeah. creators out there. I've told, I think I've told that privately to our other two guests that are going to be coming on later in the show. Uh, but uh, yes, I just think that's so cool. Jen, I love your, your drive in mm-hmm. this, that you tried this thing that you didn't know how it was going to go and then it ended up turning out wonderfully. And now you have like this push to let's have fun and let's experiment. That's what this is all about in the puzzle world. That's so cool. Let me ask you this. Let's say Zach and I are two people like you that are in groups that we are all familiar to, whether it's the PP group on Facebook or maybe some other forums what would you say to me to push me over the edge to try this in 2022? Give me that encouragement that I need to really take a, take a risk with, honestly, I think you would agree with this, something that's probably precious to me, an idea that's been rattling around in my head that I might be scared of sharing with one other person, much less the world. I mean, you've got nothing to lose. So I like, I don't know if that's the most compelling way to argue that, but, uh, if you have that little idea and you just want to see if you can do it, like this is the perfect forum to make you do it yourself. Like otherwise all those little ideas, like they hang around in the back of your head and you're like, maybe they're really good. Maybe you're a genius, but you don't know that until you actually give it a try. And knowing that there's somebody else somewhere in the world that's like sitting there next to their mailbox waiting for your game to arrive is just <laughs> exactly the, that little motivation that you need to have it all come together. And then you'll surprise yourself with what you did and you'll be like, oh my gosh, I am a genius. Yeah. And then I think the other side of it too is like, you're going to receive something in return, right? Like I'm sure you've been Which so honored by what you forget all about while you're doing it. Like that's like, you're not, you, you totally forget it. And then it's like, you finally get it all done. And then you're like, oh yeah. And I get one coming and that's <laughs> incredibly exciting. And then that truly is like Christmas. Cause it's amazing. And each, so I, I don't know, I don't know what I'm getting this year, but the last two years, it's just been amazing. Like you get these things and you're like, marveling at the level of effort like the the first year it was a handmade box with this like journal that like they'd handwritten an entire story and it was like oh my gosh like the amount of time and love and attention that went into this and then the next year it was like the same thing all over again and it's like they etched a rock they went out and filmed video in their backyard like they'd done all of this stuff that you're like oh my gosh like somebody spent so much time and put so much love into this and it's just for me and both of those games are like literally in a place of honor in my living room. Like I keep them Mm -hmm. there because it's like, these are precious and they are one of a kind and I highly value them. So it's, while I have other games that I've purchased and enjoyed and like there's amazing games out there and stuff, like there's nothing quite like either of those. It just gives me goosebumps. I just love it. It's such like a feel. It's it's just the coolest exchange because Zach, you know this, like a thoughtful gift 
something that you know time was put into like not a bot gift but a made gift speaks more volumes in my book at least would you agree with that oh yeah i mean it it means a lot like for anything like i'll I'll tell a story real quick because jared did this for me for my my birthday i wasn't going that route but okay well i'm just saying because i appreciated it like I like playing a certain video game and Jared went on his way to get someone in contact that knew about the game and created this really cool, like wooden, I'm going to call it an art piece, but it was also like a heads headset, like stand that included like my character that I play in that game. And I could tell, like, even if Jared didn't make it, I knew that he went out of his way to ask questions like, okay, could you make this? Or like, do you understand what I'm trying to? And it's awesome. And I, I think that's with anything, like, and I'm not saying just for that example, but when you get a gift that you can genuinely tell they went out of their way, it means more than any other element. It, it could cost $1, but if I know they spent their time doing it, or if it costs 5,000, it just means a lot. Cause you, like I said, and especially I feel like in this, like, because I think what you, uh, Jim brought up is that you work so hard to create a game for someone else. You forget that someone's making it for you. Yes. And then the moment you get it. And I think, especially for that, that thing is that, you know, how hard they worked for it. It's not a like, okay, I thought they only did it for like 10 minutes and I really didn't think about it. You clearly go like, I saw that aged paper and I went, wow, that's time and commitment, commitment. That's, you know, or they wrote a whole journal and you're like, okay, that legitimately takes a lot of time, especially since it's handwritten, you know, it, it, it's just so beautiful. That's how I put it. I love that. Jen agree, agree with that sentiment. Absolutely. That's just so cool. I love how you featured them in your house too. Like that. Yes the meaning that comes with all of that. Any, any closing thoughts that you would send out into the world considering, considering the, the future of the group or just your experience overall? I think it is a really special thing. So I'd say everybody that's thinking they should do it, they should just jump in and do it because the creativity, the new ideas, the care, the attention, like is, is amazing. Like, so it's just a really fun thing to be a part of and I'll be I hope my recipient is happy this year and I'll do it again next year. I love it. That was Jen McPhillamy that we were hanging out. And we have to mention her sister, Cheryl, as -hmm. well, who is part of the dynamic team that is putting the Secret Santa out this year. We just want to say thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. And thanks for being a participant in the greater culture of the the PP group and everything that you do. We just want to say shout outs. We love you and we're thankful for your time. Yes. Thank you so much. Zach, I just got your Christmas card in the mail. It was a coupon for bedtime stories. Yes. Aren't you excited? Are you reading the bedtime stories like in a chair next to my bed? Is that what that is? Yes, because I actually just recently purchased the premium experience from Enigma Fellowship. It's called The Magical Tale. It's a handmade wooden book that covers a whimsical fairy tale in it. Well, Zach, is it just narrative? Because you know I love puzzling as well. Well, Enigma Fellowship knows you really well because in this story, you're going to have to solve puzzles to help Baron Von Puffington III find his missing tail. Okay, I'm good with this gift. Thank you. But can you just make sure to leave my nightlight on when you're done? Well, the great thing about this story is that the light that it's going to leave in your heart will glow the whole room. You won't need that nightlight anymore. If you're interested in picking up the magical tale, head on over to enigmafellowship.com and pick it up for the holidays. All right. Well, we are here with another guest along our journey of guests today. Really, this is an exciting one for me because the name is so recognizable. 
if you play a certain online competitive weekly game. Oh yeah. Right. Like you're used to seeing this name near the top of the leaderboards. All agreed. Yeah. Agreed. A hundred percent. Like a lot of, I would say puzzle clout, like yeah. just, just a real a person who knows what they're talking about, but I don't want to say too much. We're going to, we're going to ask her some questions about that, but let's get to meet her and get to know her. So our next guest, please introduce yourself. Tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> Hi, my name is Lauren Bello, and that was an amazing intro. Okay. So what should, what would you like to know about me? I am a TV writer. I am, uh, I review immersive theater at times for no proscenium and I am a lifelong puzzle enthusiast. And that's why we just respect you so much. All oh, of great. those, all of those three things you just said are like, yes, yes to all of those things. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more, uh, about the, the writing and how you do that. And do you appreciate games that then have good writing is like, that's something that you're looking for. Yeah. I'm, I'm a huge reader. I love, uh, I love writing. I've been writing from stories from when I was a little kid and yeah, I really like, I really appreciate games that are not written in a, this is going to sound wrong and maybe I'm like already stumbling too much, <laughs> but I like, I really appreciate games that, um, are not written in a, in a different gamey language, meaning like, mm. I'm going to describe this in a really simple matter of fact way that doesn't try to evoke any emotion in you because like, here's a list mm. of facts. Yeah. And I really enjoy games that set themselves apart. Um, like even if it's like Hinks having a sense of humor and like a tongue in cheek mm. way of describing the world, I really appreciate, um, games that feel like I'm getting immersed and I'm getting drawn in and that they're trying, they're calculated to evoke a specific emotion in me, whether that's mm. uh, intensity or fear or amusement, as opposed to just kind of getting a list of facts that I have to solve. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I feel like we could do a whole episode and maybe we'll bring you back Lauren uh, <laughs> to talk to talk more about that because uh, I'm thinking through a lot of our old episodes and we haven't really touched on specifically writing. Yeah. We talk about narrative a decent bit in some sections, but we don't go crazy into writing itself. But how often does like a professional writer come on your show? Like this is, yeah. this is fateful. That's so cool. Can you uh, just give a quick shout out maybe to another game that you're like, that's good writing. Like give us a, another good example of like, I can tell that they go out of the way to make that an, an intentional part of the experience. Um, I think Kraken Up Mysteries obviously does this really well, especially like with the hint system in Soup. They write from a perspective of the player, really. I feel like they write player first uh, and they're always keeping in mind your experience and what you're feeling at every stage. And I really love that about them. I dig that. Gosh, I just love having cool guests like you on. It's just a great <laughs> perspective. This is uh, just happy. <laughs> That's just super happy. Well, we before we get into talking about what this episode is all about is about the the secret Santa group that we have. We'd be remiss to pick your brain on a couple of other things, isn't that right, Zach? Oh, I agree. Well, one of the things that we're really intrigued by, and we kind of brought up in your intro, is that you seem to be almost this goddess. I would say of the Hinks <laughs> good weekly good terminology weekly puzzle. <laughs> And, it, and it's funny because, you know, I don't know if Jared's actually played it, but I've looked at it once and I, I unfortunately have not participated, but I love that every week when I look in our Facebook group, there's everyone talking about how they did, or if they got first place, or my favorite thing is when everyone puts their excuses of why they didn't get first. Yes. Oh, I missed the email. Oh, I, <laughs> the phone rang. And it seems to be that matters. Oh yeah. Oh yes, yeah, for sure. 
tell us about your angle on that and maybe drop us a good story uh, <laughs> from the many weeks that you have played. So when they first started doing this, it was not that competitive. It was okay if you logged in a minute late or something. Um, but definitely as more people have started joining and when they implemented the countdown system, which I think was a good idea, which allowed you to prepare, okay, so this day, this time I'll be ready as opposed to waiting on an email that made it ex extra competitive. So at this point, like I used to be able to like have a notebook and write down le each letter at this point, if I have a letter, I type it in, I'm not waiting, wasting any time writing it, like shaving those last few seconds off. <laughs> this kind of reminds me of like Will Smith in the pursuit of happiness, where he realizes if he hangs up the phone that he's losing seconds. So he just touches the hang up portion of the phone. You guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. That's like deep, like that, that's big, that saves seconds. And that's what I feel like it takes to win that competition sometimes. That's exactly. I also use markup a lot. So I, what I'll do is I'll have it up, up on my phone and on my computer just because I don't know if this is going to be the type of thing where a computer's faster or if I need to like be able to trace, trace lines on my phone. Mm -hmm. So I'll have it up on both, like click it at the exact same time. That's and funny. then <laughs> if it's something that actually requires me to draw lines or make connections or highlight letters or something like that, then I'll immediately screenshot out on my phone and use markup. I think you could make a wallpaper of the times that you have won that or have been in the top five and just coat your like humble brag, coat your house in that like that. I think that's, that's the level that we're talking to, I, but it is, I, I think it's hilarious how many times people post it and we can still see your name up there. Oh yeah. Like even if you didn't win, it's like, it's always near the top. And I think we've actually seen your name in some of the other games that we've played that have leaderboards. Oh yeah. Like, did we see you? Like we recently played hack forward and I don't, oh, I, yeah, yeah. Say, I want to say, we I think saw we saw your name you. once. I think we saw your name once on the hack forward leaderboards. So I also go by the nickname Dela in mostly in the immersive community. So okay. once in a while I I'll have my name in as Dela as well as a Lauren Bello. Okay. Or like in Hinks, I've also been in Hinks as Dela once or twice, I think. Okay. Okay. So just shout out to the rest of the puzzle world right now. If you're getting <laughs> dominated by Dela, that is the pseudonym <laughs> of Lauren. Okay. Just everybody be on high alert. Be on high alert. Now that's too funny. Uh, I want to kind of transition now into talking about what this episode is all about, which is the Secret Santa group. The first thing I think we want to ask you is when did you first do it? And what prompted you to spend a lot of time on it? This like, cause from what we understand, this isn't something that you could just sign up, spend an afternoon on and do. So what, what was appealing about that to you? So my first time doing it was last year and obviously pandemic <laughs> played a big role in that. I was on a hiatus from a show and I've always, I had a some ideas that I'd always wanted to explore. So I was kind of like, oh, sure. If I'm going to do it, now's the time. And uh, as it happens, the subject matter of my story, I feel like was rather therapeutic in terms of working through some of my pandemic feelings in terms mm. of feeling a sense of loss, of feeling like life had changed and I didn't really know what to do about it. And kind of working through some of that feeling of sentimentality and nostalgia and grief on the page, basically. That's cool. I'm glad that you took that opportunity to not only dive into a game, but to dive into like what you were feeling. Yeah. I feel like we've experienced some games lately too, that people are taking that risk. And I'm, uh, I hope 
people don't stop doing that like yourself. I think that's really cool. And thanks. I haven't even played the game, but just thanks for sharing that. Thanks for being vulnerable (laughs) in that medium. Uh, So tell us a little bit for those who have no idea what the secret Santa puzzle group is. What are we talking about? Like, what is it? What does this group do? Why, why do they exist? Well, it's my understanding. Angela's probably a better person to ask this, but it's my understanding that Angela started this um, as a way that people could just create one-off experiences for one another around Christmas time. Um, and I don't know, I don't know honestly that much about the origins. I knew that um, her game Double Major and I believe Root of All Evil had also had both started as um, Secret Santa games. So I was excited by the challenge of trying to make something that could even remotely live up to those two. You know, we've kind of talked a little bit about the game that you were actually able to make during the Secret Santa group. So can you kind of tell us a process that you went through to kind of, one, even make up the idea, but then second, like, to kind of just discuss, you know, where you start and where you end in the process of it? Yeah. So I started by making a lot of lists. So I have a document that I still keep up it's a list of design tools, a list of materials that can be mail ordered or printed once you have that design, uh, a list of different types of locks and their prices, and then a list of clever mechanics that I've liked just to get my creative juices flowing, uh, a list of simple mechanics that I've liked. So for example, uh, I don't want to spoil anyone else's game, but um, what's an example? So I'll, I can talk about simple examples. So like, for example, this is really, really simple and it's not for everyone, but for some reason, I just love color names that are written in the wrong color and mm. the process of, for whatever reason, I find that fun. Not everybody will. <laughs> or like, uh, I love realizing that something has been secretly Braille all along. Yes. Interesting. Uh, when you, um, like if it's simple Braille and obvious that it's Braille from the start, then that's whatever. But if it's something that's like a grid that you suddenly realize, oh, it's Braille. I love that aha moment. Hmm. So I just like had a list of all these things, little aha moments that I've enjoyed. Some of them simple, some of them more complex. And then I also had a list of things that I disliked. And that doesn't mean that everyone has to dislike them. But if I dislike them, then I'm probably not going to be a good (laughs) designer for them. So like, for example, math puzzles, I've never really, it's very hard for me to enjoy a map puzzle. Spatial orientation just isn't my thing. So I'm not going to make a map puzzle, even though it's tempting because they look so cool. I just know I won't be good at it. I don't think the broader audience is going to fault you for your anti- (laughs) Your stance on math. It's a very controversial type of puzzle, uh, as you well know. That's hilarious. Or like creating a timeline to figure out the alibis. For some reason, my Mm. brain just does not, well, is that a fair alibi? Could they have been lying? I, it's not fun for me because it doesn't always work cleanly in my head Mm. uh, in terms of what, what information you can trust and where you can slot it. It's just not a fun process for me. So I knew I didn't want to do anything like that. And I also just started setting restrictions for myself, some of which I didn't honor later. So like, for example, I was like, I think it would be interesting to do a story that does not use any aged paper. And so that was kind of a challenge that I set for myself. And at the very last minute, I did end up using aged paper, but <laughs> but it was, wasn't was so much about that as in just defining something that I didn't want to do helped me kind of define what I did want to do. So I started off with all these lists of do's, don'ts, loves, dislikes. 
um, themes that I remembered after playing like 200 plus of these, because honestly, most of them blend together. So the ones that stood out, I wanted to pinpoint, okay, so why does the story stand out when the others didn't? And the act of making those lists kind of moved me into more creative headspace. So then I started thinking about, well, do I want this to be diegetic or non-diegetic puzzles? And there's debate about what diegetic means, but, but what I, basically the question that I was asking for myself is, is there a narrative reason for all these puzzles to exist? Mm-hmm. Because of, yeah. automatically that puts you in more of a bind, yes. which would be fun to get out of. Sure. Um, yes. But I, and I decided that, yes, I want all my puzzles to exist for a story reason. And so then I started making a list of like, okay, so what are some story reasons? Like serial killer leaving behind clues is obviously one, but I didn't want to do that. So, and I ended up deciding that I didn't want to do a story that was um, like had murder or violence or was about a crime, not because I don't enjoy those stories. It was just fun to think of, oh, I haven't seen that many of these. So what could I come up with? So I made, then I made a list of plot ideas and I asked myself a bunch of questions just to keep myself from getting too much in my own head about it. So I asked myself, like, if I were going to make a really easy, lazy game that would require zero effort, what would that look like? And then I kind of brainstormed about that. And then I was like, if I were going to try to make something that was completely unlike anything I've ever seen before, what would that look like? And then that was a whole different set of ideas. And that helped me come up with some of these restrictions that ended up yielding more story ideas. That's really interesting to me because even in talking with a lot of other designers, I don't hear that process Mm -hmm. very, correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, but it's almost like you, before you wanted to dig into the meat and potatoes of it, like you were creating your boundaries. Yeah, for sure. And I also, I have to play games with myself, honestly, sometimes to, to make, Mm -hmm. to keep myself from getting too much my own head. Like even when I'm writing for TV or whatever, there's a difference between typing in uh, a final draft document and typing in a word document and typing in like an Evernote, like notes document and Evernote for me feels so unofficial that mm. I feel I can write more freely if I start an Evernote and then start transferring over to more official documents like Microsoft word. So um, different mediums are kind of giving you different freedoms. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Hmm. That's really uh, cool. So once I had all these ideas, in terms of story, in terms of restrictions, in terms of plot, in terms of like the types of puzzles I wanted. I scoured Etsy, eBay. I went to Michael's, I went to Joanne's and basically I started thinking about physical props and I feel like it's very easy to imagine a hypothetical physical prop. And it's another thing to actually find the prop that you need. So I wanted to kind of shorten that process by working backwards and seeing like, oh, okay. So they have craft kits for this and, oh, this box would only need to be tweaked slightly. And, you know, starting that made the hurdle feel a lot less intimidating Mm -hmm. if you're just like in a world where everyone's already crafting these things. So interesting. Etsy, eBay, Michael's, Joanne's, I had like lists of my favorite things, uh, like physical props. And I also was looking at online possibilities. Like I ended up using boardgamesmaker.com quite a lot. So I was kind of scrolling through their possibilities of, okay, so they can print playing cards, they can print game boards and uh, ideas were coming, were bubbling up as I saw these possibilities. Let me ask you this. Cause I, I want to, I don't want to miss out on this opportunity in your opinion. Like if the, if you're doing this for your first time, or maybe you're even newer to the puzzle community, what is the cultural acceptance of what a game should be when you receive it as a secret Santa gift. Cause it sounds like what we're talking about so far, like you are like creating 
um, it sounds like a masterpiece, right? <laughs> like, but, but that also comes from your background, right? Like you've been involved in this world for a very long time. You've clearly thought about this, mm-hmm. but for someone who's just considering doing this, what is, I'm not trying to say like, what's the least I can do, but what is someone expecting who's going to get one of these games? Honestly, that sounds more like a question for Angela than for me, because the truth is I'm only playing one game, which is the game that I receive. Right. And, I giving, can see, and giving one game. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I see pictures of other people's games and that's very inspiring to be in that Facebook group and it's slightly intimidating too, <laughs> to yeah. see, uh, to see what other people come up with. But Angela probably has a list of all the games that have come out of this, like Sultans of Solve, I think was one of them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Jack's game. Out. Great game. And, and that one is more, I feel like it's okay to say that it's more paper-based. It is. Yeah. 100%. Um, I don't want to spoil anyone else's game, but yes, that's like more of a paper-based game. And Jillian's is kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum where it is um, a lot of very, very physical, tangible, irreplaceable mm-hmm. components. And I mean, it, it also has quite a lot of paper, but it's like the sort of paper where uh, I don't want to spoil it too much, but it feels like say, you, you, you have to be very delicate as you're handling it. You feel the sense of awe as you touch it almost. So not like something that was printed out and placed in a box. Hmm. Um, so I feel like the, the, there's a wide spectrum and I don't want to focus too much on the more elaborate ones, because I feel like the problem is if you focus on the, like the big elaborate spectacles, then people feel like, Oh, well, I can't send this because it's not anywhere near what that person posted and they get in their own heads about it and start to drop out. And it becomes smaller and smaller where I feel like the important thing is to encourage people to participate in whatever capacity they can. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. a, I think that's a great word because Zach, we and Lauren, you may know this too, but we got into this podcast thinking that we were going to make a game. Yeah, right. Did you feel that at all when when we started brainstorming? Like, uh, oh, this this could be potentially overwhelming. It, I mean, it was. It was. It was interesting because I remember our process of how we wanted to create it, and I'll tell a little bit of the story if it's okay with Jared. Yeah. But uh, so if I remember correctly, we kind of decided that we wanted our game to potentially be a trilogy in terms of we had decided that we we're like, OK, we're going to have these three characters that we had thought of at the time. And we're like, OK, we're going to have them have like a the first game's kind of almost like any trilogy where it's more of like an like a, the exposition. It kind of explains like who they are, what they can do um, and explain kind of the setting that you're in. And then the first game is kind of just introducing all that. And then the second and third game would be like what we found interesting from some of the games we played early on is having repeating characters that would go through different adventures. Um, so we were like, that'd be a cool element to be like, okay, you can play as I'm going to say Indiana Jones, but you play as Indiana Jones in the first one, but then he comes back again in the second game and in the third. Yes. So you have like this fun character that you liked, but then having the narrative play. And I also am a big, one of my favorite things in video games or really in any medium is narrative and specifically character development. I just love playing games that do an extremely good job of giving good character development where you get to learn their struggles and you understand what they love and their prides and their joys are, but also what they struggle with. And we really wanted to look into that in the game and like really have them go through a bunch of trials, Yes, you know, and kind of learn. But the, the idea was just early on was the three characters. I thought about having a train in one of the games. I thought that'd be the fun element to like work through the train as you're going to like a destination for like the second and third game. But yeah, it, it was really fun to thinking through it, but then we thought about the pricing of everything. We were looking up how shipping works early on, you know, we we're like, okay, what if we have voice actors, you know, for like audio parts, if you do an app, you know, or like 
it felt extremely overwhelming for what we originally planned because yes. we were just like, well, let's just have fun with it and just guess whatever we wanted to do or have make up ideas. Right. And, and I think that's what you and Lauren are saying. The same thing is like, this is the perfect place to have those experiments. Yeah. Right. Only one other person is getting it and that shouldn't diminish the quality of what you're producing for that person. But this is in some respects, like a, a great lab is what I would call it. Like a chance to finally put your concoction together and see what, see what happens with it. Is that, totally is that the agree. sense that you had? Yeah, I think so too. And also let me just add, if you are new and are unsure of how much you can accomplish, seriously consider using Canva. I don't know if you guys mm -hmm. have used Canva a lot for I, design. I'm but, an expert in Canva. Okay. Little. It makes it just, so it makes everything so accessible. The templates, everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. It makes it look professional starting startlingly quickly. And it's not that expensive. It, yeah. Some of it's free, right? Well, yeah, I was gonna say I I I personally use the free version, but I know <laughs> there's like the paid versions or like where you can get extra stuff and it it's it's very I'm going to call it user, like new user friendly. Like I I've been enjoying, like I started off using Canva, at least for my design stuff for like when we have videos or like for our work for like social media kind of things. And it was like, it's kind of very basic just cause I'm not, I don't have like a really good background in it, but it's been fun, like messing with it more and more and learning like, Oh, that's, I can make this look more professional. And then, like you said, there's a lot of really good templates that you can just edit to your liking. That's so a, much of the process word. is making something feel real in your head. Yeah. And I think Canva definitely helps you make that leap into, oh, okay, this is actually, okay, I can see what this will look like now, as opposed to it being kind of theoretical or kind of like a placeholder. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Why then should someone who's listening to this and they're listening to all of the things we're talking about and they're like right on the edge or maybe they're like have some interest what would you say that to that person to really push them over the edge to get to, to really commit? Uh, Cause this is a commitment. I don't want to shy away from the, the time and effort that it takes to mm -hmm. put into this, but Lauren, why do this? Well, first of all, this is going to be very hypocritical because my, my game this year is very late. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I don't want to be like, Oh, it's easy guys. Just dive in. And if you plan it all your time, it'll all be fine. But I do think that it's a very welcoming community. Odds are that everyone else is freaking out just as much as you are. And everyone else is also probably running late. So don't, uh, don't get intimidated by like the people who are posting their photos three months in advance that look so fantastic. I mean, hmm. that it should inspire you, but it shouldn't intimidate you. It's wonderful to see what people have done, but I feel like also at the same time, it's a way of motivating yourself and it's a way of, um, getting supported. I feel, hmm. um, getting feedback in a really supportive environment from people who know what they're talking about. And, uh, if you don't want to be judged, you don't have to be judged. It can just go to that one person and I'm sure they will be honored and amazed that uh, uh, your work because they themselves will know how hard it was to make because they've made their own. So, yeah, it's almost like a, it's like an issue of like solidarity. Like, you know, you know what it took for me to send this to you and you've done the same for somebody else. Exactly. So I feel like there's just like, there's just, uh, what's the word I'm looking at? There's some camaraderie in mm. the process, like the, the blisters and the hot glue <laughs> wounds and yep. everything that must go into making a really cool experience. And we've been blown away uh, by some of the pictures that we've seen of some of these games, oh, yeah. not as in like an, uh, again, not to be intimidating to someone that's considering doing this, but just kind of awestruck for the cool stuff that people like you put together. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I find it really inspiring. And every time I see something new, <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is making me think I should work harder on this. Um, but I, I feel like it's challenging in a positive way. Yes. I kind of get FOMO. I'm like, I'm never going to get to play any of these games. I know. Like, only that one person is going to get to play that game. No, they should go public <laughs> with their, so I could play yeah. their game. But, but in that vein, we've heard that you are considering taking one of your creations to market is, is that true? Can you give us a little bit of info on that? Because the people that we've talked to, we've heard highest of praises for this creation. Yeah, I can. I, I would like to do a, I was originally thinking it would be a Kickstarter next year. Kickstarter has made their blockchain announcement and I'm not really sure what's going to happen with that or where all that's going to fall. It might end up being Indiegogo. We'll see, but I definitely would like to um, get it into more people's hands. And I'm honestly, I'm not that interested in running like a storefront out of my apartment. Sure. It's going to be, I have to be a one and done thing, I think. So um, hopefully some form of crowdfunding come to come next year. Well, that would be cool. And just so everybody knows when that Indiegogo Kickstarter, whatever, when that goes live, we will be talking about it. Uh, We want to make sure (laughs) we want to make sure that this gets out because the things that we've heard about this game um, are really cool. Mm. I will let you know. Yes. Let us know. Let us know. Well, uh, that is going to wrap us up for our interview today with Lauren. You can always find her two places, just chatting away and being helpful to people in the Puzzle People Games and Mystery Group, or she's probably the person right ahead of you in the Hinks Weekly email competition. But Lauren, just thanks so much um, for coming on the show. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you. All right, Jared, I got to cut out a little early today. I have an interview. An interview? You didn't tell me about that. Where at? What's soup? Oh, nice. I've heard really great things about the soup shed off of I-24. So come on down to the soup shed. No, Jared. Soup is a society for the observation of unknown phenomena. They actually sent me my first case as a test. Take a look at this folder. Why is this folder full of pictures of me? Well, they are all about documenting the weird and bizarre. If you'd like a chance to join soup, head on over to crackinutmysteries.com. How did they get this picture of me in the shower? Well, here we are in another section of today's episode, and we're just going to run with what we've already been running today, which is you all, our listeners, getting to meet epic guests. Oh, yeah. Who have participated and really kind of shaped the landscape of what this group, which is the Secret Santa group, if you're just now joining us at this point in the podcast, has done. Mm -hmm. So I say we meet her. Yeah, let's go for it. So uh, our esteemed guest, please tell us who you are and a little bit about yourself. Okay. Hello. I'm Jillian Raymond, Jill for short. I've been on the Puzzle People group since its origination. I was also part of the Mysterious Subscription Group, which was where Secret Santa came from um, for about a year and a bit before it dissolved. Um, This is my second year doing the Secret Santa. Um, This is kind of like a little hobby I do. I teach uh, history and English, so this is kind of a little side little thing I do, which actually takes a lot more time out of my day than I expected. But it's it's labor of love. So, Jill, we know that you love cats. I think anyone who ever looks at any of your posts uh, would know that you have a wonderful crew of inspectors. Um, my favorite, I'm going to just pull it out there, is Titus. 
Um, solid pick. Solid. Thank you. Solid. Pick. I mean, it's the right pick. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're all great. Let's make that very clear. Um, but yeah, can you tell everyone else about your great inspectors that help you on your journeys? Okay. So about a year and a bit ago, when I started really getting into puzzling, like a lot more when I was sharing it, sharing information about it, I started to want to take photos of my cats because uh, I was really getting into Instagram and I was having fun sharing photos, but I didn't have anywhere to put them. So when I was part of this group and I saw that I was doing a lot more puzzles, my first thought was, why don't I just take pictures of my cats with puzzle games? Because my thought process was if I have photos and they're actually, you know, on the games, it would be legitimate to share. Mm -hmm. And then as I started doing more of that, I started to put little reviews on it. And then I started to kind of go through a whole thing where I would do like full reviews. I would do little cat reviews, like give it four out of four uh, paws for paper quality. <laughs> Um, 10 out of 10, we'll eat again, we'll sleep on it, box is great. And so it kind of evolved for me, like doing reviews and then making sure to post pictures of my cats with them. And I've been doing that for a little bit. I have like a little side like blog where I just post all of it because I write a lot. Um, where can people then, uh, find that blog at? Oh, uh, so if you go on my Instagram under uh, Mystery Pet Inspectors, you'll find it there. I also, for Escape the Rumors, which is another review company, I also post my cats there as well um, because they have me do occasional reviews. And my one condition when I signed up to do reviews for them was, can my cats be in them? So now I have all my cats in all my puzzle games. They play with me. They eat my games. They sleep on them. They roll on them. They pretty much are heavily involved with it. Um, the two main cats that you'll see in my photos are Titus and Queenie. Um, but then you'll also see a couple others occasionally show up. Draco, um, he's like a big uh, like brown and um, cat. He's really fluffy. And then occasionally you might see another smaller orange cat named Lita. But generally you'll see Titus and Queenie and they're the ones that will sprawl out all over the paper. Uh, I have to ask if your cats have um, any type of representation. Uh, will we be seeing them in major motion pictures, commercials? <laughs> Is this like, uh, has this been like a groundbreaking opportunity for them? Is this like their origin starting story? Not really. I, I mean, that'd be cool. That'd be great. But I just merged generally, through. generally, I've, I've started to put photos of them with digital games because I used to just do standard mm -hmm. puzzles. Mm -hmm. But now I actually will pose them with like when I'm playing an online escape room or a digital escape game, I'll include them there. And occasionally like companies will have me do reviews and I'll make sure to put those photos, put photos of my cats in them. Because mm -hmm. why on earth would you be asking me to do something if you aren't looking at my cats? But unfortunately, alas, uh, their film industry breakout has not been reached yet. Well, hashtag side quest for us. <laughs> like, let's Titus. Titus will be a movie star. Titus, it movie will star 2022. Hashtag that now. He has everybody. the attitude to match. <laughs> yes, he is delicious, And I think he I think he has the chops. He can do it. I think he has the chops. So, Jillian, I have to ask you. I, in my mind, I kind of have like these four to five people who I think have played the most games in our community and you're up there for me. I, I'm <laughs> oh, wondering yeah. if you're, if you're the number one, cause I don't, we don't really post like game counts a way that a lot of the same room that escape mm -hmm. room people do. Yeah. I'm wondering if, you know, we had, uh, we had Lauren share hers off air, but we're asking you to share yours on air if you're comfortable with that. Where are you at in the at-home puzzle and mystery world? You can ballpark it. You don't have to give us an exact number. I would say, keeping in mind, I've only been doing at-home puzzle game for the past two years. 
Yes. Um, so between 200 and 250. So I'm not a large I think amount. that's up there. I, 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 that, that has to be top 10 in my opinion. 200 to 250 in two years. You're a puzzle gangster. That's like that's legit. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I know some people have played probably a lot more. Like there's people who've mm. been a part of this community. Cause keeping in mind, like tabletop puzzle games have been around for like five over five years right so there are people who've collected more than me but Mm -hmm. i'm more active in sharing all my photos yeah yeah there's probably some some of our closet listeners out there who are like bro that's small (laughs) that's like 10 percent of what i've played and i was like i would love to know that there's 2500 different companies and games like that would be really cool like please get in contact with me but no that's really cool like we just love people who are committed to like playing and talking about the industry. So just on a side note, it's just really fun to have you on the show for the first time. Just to ask you, Jill, we, you know, I think when people see this, you know, when we talk about the secret Santa group, they kind of see all these different things or the pictures that people post in like in the puzzle people group. And it kind of looks like there's so much going on and I don't know. And there's all these really fantastic pictures and it it feels like I don't know what's going on. So can you tell people kind of what the secret Santa group is just in general? And then maybe a fun thing that you could do is kind of explain the process, you know, for what you would do, like getting into it, because I think it's something that people look at and they, they kind of get scared that there might be a lot to do, or they might get uh, intimidated by other people's pictures that they post. Okay, so the Secret Santa as like a Facebook group only developed within the last year. Secret Santa itself has been going on for a lot longer, but we ended up deciding to break out into its own individual group just to make it easier to share information and try to make things a bit more cohesive because it was getting such so large. But essentially, the goal of it is to create an experience for someone. It can be focused on puzzles. It can be wholly on narrative. But the idea is is you're creating an individual experience for someone to receive in the mail, and then you will send one out to someone as well. And there is no limit. Um, It's essentially whatever you can do. If you want to make it fully digital, you are allowed to do that. If you want to create a fully, like, just make it a diary with a bunch of fun components, you can do that. If you want it to be like a giant, like a puzzle box, like you literally just, just a puzzle box, you can do that. The kind of the sky is the limit in that sense where you're just, you have the freedom to kind of explore where you want to go. I got into it because I started talking to Angela more. (laughs) Isn't that how we all end up here? From Cracking Up Mysteries, um, because she's the person that spearheaded it all, right? She's the one that's actively managing it, which is a lot of work. I've seen all the behind the scenes. It's crazy how much uh, planning has to go involved. But it was during the pandemic, right when the pandemic hit, and I was at home all the time, and I was really looking for something because I'd seen such cool photos of games that I was like, this is amazing. And then when I heard that Double Major and Root of All Evil came from Secret Santa, I wanted to get one of those games. I wanted to have I wanted to have one of those games myself. But that meant that I had to make a game. And back then, my puzzling experience wasn't as strong. I had mainly played only Mysterious Package Company games mm-hmm. at that time when I first showed interest in signing up for it. So my first response of, well, I can make a Mysterious Package game. Like, it's just, it's a diary with aged paper, a few little components, and like in a fun box. And that was kind of where I started. I just, I thought of a game that I enjoyed that I thought I could mimic in some way. Because keeping in mind, you're not manufacturing this game to sell to people unless you are, there are some creators out there who do want to do that. Mm -hmm. You're making this just to share to someone. And in my head, that means that if I 
borrow ideas from other companies, that's okay because the whole goal is to make someone have fun and experience and do puzzle solving and getting it from a person and someone who's made it just for you is a fun experience. So I kind of just went with that. It, of course, it will evolve as you go forward. Um, once I started getting stories and once I started playing more puzzles, I found that I don't know for a lot of people, but when I started playing more games throughout the summer, I ended up changing more of the game and adding more puzzles to it and altering more puzzles to it. But it kind of just started with me thinking, I really like this game mechanic. I like this kind of style to a gaming and I want to recreate something similar in, in, in way. And I thought of, okay, what do I need for sure to make this work? And then I set myself a time where I said, if I can't have something in my head ready for me, it was that I wanted to make sure that I knew I could do it before I signed up. So I wanted to see, can I plan something ahead of time? So that way, when you have to sign up, which I think this year, at least it was like end of, end of September into October, you had to sign up. Mm -hmm. Um, but I decided, okay, I will give myself, you know, a month to figure out, do I think I can make this? can I put this together in my head? Let's try to see what if I can make some puzzles. Can I make a bit of a storyline? And then once I started that, I felt more confident going forward because I felt like I was doing a lot more. I was seeing a lot more. Let's say that I'm someone who is on the fence about doing this. I have an idea that I'm passionate about, but I'm really nervous about doing it. What would you say to me to help me overcome that? not just in like a general counseling session, but like specific to our Santa group, like, do I really have anything to be afraid of? I find that so far, no matter what I've seen, everyone has been able to produce really amazing, fun, puzzling experiences that everyone's enjoyed. Keeping in mind that when you, when you submit to joining, you also let Angela know what game you're making, what kind of game you want, what kind of, what are your interests, um, what's, what kind of level of difficulty is going on here? Is it just a puzzle game? Is it just narrative? Is it short? Is it long? Where are you falling at that? So what that does is that if, even if you make only a shorter experience, because you want to just kind of test the waters, you will receive that same kind of level. Of, you'll see, see that shorter game as well. And you'll switch over. And so I find that a lot of people, when I've talked to them about secret Santa was, they were always worried about, you know, I don't think I can put that much time into it. Oh, I can't put that level of, you know, I see these aged papers and people writing in fancy pens. I can't do that. And I can highlight, you know, you don't need those. Think of how many games that we play, you know, like there's a lot of games out there that we play that end up being really good. And they're just a piece of paper and with multiple puzzles in them with a, like a newspaper. Right. So Thinking about it in that way, you don't need to go all out with making something that's like this giant thing. You could just something as simple as a puzzle newspaper and mm -hmm. that will meet someone who will love it and it will be tailored towards them. So someone who's at saying, I love these kind of games will receive that and they'll love it. And I've never heard anyone say that they're not happy with their game when they've received a game. And I've never heard someone be upset about it. So far, I've heard such lovely things, people sharing all their photos, excitement. So I would say, do it, what makes you comfortable in terms of if you have an idea, explore it because someone out there, if you have this idea yourself, someone else is going to love it and someone else is going to enjoy it. And that person is probably in the secret Santa group. So if you're trying to try something new, it's a great place that you feel safe to do so because you also have 
people around you to help you. You know, if you are struggling to finish your game, if you're struggling with a point in your game, there are people you can talk to, people you can ask advice for. I got a lot, like if I was stuck on trying to figure out how to make a font, for example, there were people that were helping me find websites that I could make them on. If I needed help because I needed to extend the deadline, you know, Angela was there to help support me or to keep in contact with the person receiving it. So you have supports within the community to help you that, you know, and when we say secret Santa, there's not like a set deadline. Like if you are, if it's not mailed out by December 1st, you're in trouble. It's, it's secret Santa in terms of, it's a more generalized phrase, you know, across the holidays. And so I know a lot of people are worried about timelines and getting it in. And I find that, you know, just try and go for it. You know, if you are passionate about it, if you're interested in it, someone's going to want it. And there's all these people around that are willing to help you kind of make it work. That's a good word. I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, a personal question for you is, and you may not want to talk about that, and that's okay too. Between your two Secret Santas that you have prepared now, have you personally ever thought about making it bigger than Secret Santa? Because we know that we've had other guests on the show who have been a part of this group who've said, you know, I think there's more than just sending it to one person. I really think I've got something here. Jill, are you one of those people? Are you going to become a game creator one day? So... At this time, no, um, mainly because I have, there are some game components I have in my games that I cannot easily remake because I would, I, I was one of those people that I bribed a lot of my friends to help me. Um, well I asked very sweetly for people to do things for me. And at those times I would make, I, for my two games, I've made three copies. And at this time, that's all the copies I'm making. Um, like for example, in the most recent Secret Santa, I have an aged scroll that has a calligraphy um, information written on it. Ooh. I can't write calligraphy at all. <laughs> so I know this lovely person who helped me with my last Secret Santa who was willing to do it. Um, but I don't know how to manufacture that easily. Um, I bet there is ways to do it, but I am not putting that effort in at this time. Sure. So I have saved copies of the games. Like I have my own copy of the last one and I have a copy of this new one that I've saved for myself. So maybe in the future, depending on what kind of things I have, what access um, I have, I might do something. But at this time, I kind of kept them to more of an individual experience. And they take a lot of time for me in particular. I, I work on them for a good like I work on them throughout the whole year on um, and off um, just because I'm a slower person with my, with my stuff. I can't, I, I know some people who can bang out a puzzle game in two weeks. I cannot do that whatsoever. So they're a lot more labor intensive for me, but I love doing them. Um, cause they're a good hobby to watch. I binged, um, the new Hawkeye show while, while finishing up my secret ooh, Santa, for example, right? Should, we, so should we check that out? I thought it was really good. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I wish all the season was out in one go. Unfortunately, they are releasing them episode week by week. But yeah, so I find that they're a good hobby thing. They do take away from puzzling, I will say that. Um, but you're making puzzles, so... It's a give and a take. It's a give yeah. and a take. You can't have it all. Exactly. But yeah, currently, I know there's like, I know some people are making, are actively pursuing the idea of making them their games into bigger ones. And for the one I know for sure that is considering it, I can easily see how they could do it and I want them to do it. So I've, I've been encouraging some of these people to do it as well, but keep, for me at the moment, keep nope. doing it, Jill, keep pushing them out into the mass public. 
Uh, it, it's it's a topic we've talked about, but just like the I, the point of this is, like you said, it's a personal gift giving exchange. It does give people the creative freedom to maybe make something that they've wanted to, but also it kind of acts as an incubator a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really lets you know, um, I think more than anything that you're capable of mm-hmm. doing something because all the feedback that you're really going to get is one person, right? Yeah. Maybe not, not enough to go out and make a game, but it does seem like that the feedback that people have received from even showing pictures is like, yeah, if you want to go try this, you know, you're not going to end up a millionaire per se, but I, I think it's cool how it has pushed some people out into the, the broader public. It also gives people an appreciation. I have found that by doing this, I appreciate my puzzle games a lot more than the ones that I play because I have, have, you know, I can't say that I have the same experiences as all the creators, but putting things together, assembling things, trying to make these individual experiences, it makes me realize like how much effort and time goes into a lot of these puzzle games that we, we actively play. And the companies that can make a game a month, I, I don't know how they do it. Yeah. And so I have found that I've appreciated a lot more when I'm looking at things, when I'm looking at components and how things are made, I get that kind of sense of like, this is amazing. And and I know a little bit about it now. Um, maybe not as much as an actual creator, but you know, as a little hobbyist, it kind of, you know, makes me kind of look at games in a different way. I think that's a great perspective. Like you review games, we review games. I think we forget how often, how much a labor of love that these are for people who really care about it. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a, I think that's a good way to wrap us up too, is thinking about the season that we're in. And at the end of the day, regardless of where you want to end up with this, this is just a really cool way to potentially even make somebody's Christmas. Like Mm -hmm. it must just, Jill, I can't speak for you, but I'll end it with that question is what does it feel like to receive somebody else's game? I think the first thing I did when I realized my package arrived, I tore it open and laid it out and put my cat with it and took pictures and shared it on the public. (laughs) (laughs) And then what was great was that my secret Santa actually had a photo of my cat in it. And so it was that moment of like, Oh my, Oh my God. And I had to share it. I had to share it with everyone around me. I was showing my family. I was sending photos. It was just, you find that little thing in it that just really captures you because it was made and you're one of the only, one of the few people that get to try it, at least in that initial stage. And it just, it's a, a warm and fuzzy feeling. And which is exactly what we want during the holidays. We want to feel special and we want to feel appreciated. And getting that kind of thing is a great way to kind of capture that moment. Well, I can't think of any better way to tie up that section of our show. Jill, we want to say thank you so much for making time for us yes. in your busy day. For those of you that don't know, which many of you know, we Jill almost didn't make it to our show today. There was a cat emergency, but everyone calm down. It's okay. I'm glad to hear that. Actually. Yes, I won the note. I have like my world was a little bit, you know, chaotic there for or chaotic for a minute. And I really, I really pulled for that one. But let's wrap up the section before I say more silly things. Jill, thanks so much. Yes, thank you. We will be right back. All right, Zach, pick a card, any card. Dude, we are supposed to be doing an ad right now. Okay, I know. Just just be cool, Zach. You know I always wanted to be a magician. I don't think this is the right time or medium for a magic trick. But okay, I've picked a card. Okay, 
Look at it and don't tell me what it is. And how's the audience going to know what card this is? Just, just be cool, man. I just got this new Enigmas card deck, and I just wanted to show you a new trick I've been working on. Oh, Jared. I'm sure your trick's going to be great, but there's something you don't know about that deck. Okay. I see what's happening. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. What? You think you're a better magician than me. You think you know more about this deck of cards than I do. You're trying to heckle me and usurp the great Jared Zini. Jared, Jared, Jared. Well, I did back the project on Kickstarter and I've been playing the puzzle game hidden inside. There's actually a full puzzle hunt you can discover. I imagine you got those over at davidquongmagic.com. Nice try, Zach, but a magician never reveals his secrets. Magician's code. Well, if you're looking for an amazing experience from a real magician... I'm sitting right here. Then head over to davidquongmagic.com and pick up Enigma's Puzzle Hunt playing cards. We just want to say thank you so much to all three of our guests for their times. For also the people, maybe unmentioned, that they collaborate with and work with. And just to the whole Secret Santa group, also a big shout out to Angela. Mm-hmm. Organizers often are left out. We want to say thank you for taking the time to play a role in our community that is so important by mm-hmm. doing all of the logistics and, and working with people as they are working through these games. I'm sure part of that job is part counseling as well, saying mm-hmm. like, no, like, don't give up. Like, you can do it. You should do it. And I think uh, I think we've all received some therapy from those of us that know Angela because she's just a great human being as well. Mm-hmm. But that is really going to wrap us up for this episode. You can find all of our guests. They're in the PPGM group. They're all open to talking with you about their experiences and encouraging you and having their brain picked further if you are curious about getting involved. But Angela is going to be your primary person in 2022 to ask about more questions and sign up for doing this, right? Yeah. Um, Zach, what, any closing words from you as we wrap up this episode? Not much. I just wanted to say thank you again to all those people. But uh, if you're worried about it or if you, you feel like you have that one thing that's on your head that you're like, I want to create this or you've just been experimenting with, do it. It sounds crazy, but it's just been like all these games that we've heard of from the Secret Santa group becoming big. And it was all just a chance. It was like Jen said in her interview, it's like, it was a risk to to make soup, but like soup was one of the reasons we started this. You know, it was yes. the first game that as puzzling company we ever played as well as covered. And, you know, to some degree, you could argue that we wouldn't be here without it. So I'm very happy that Jen took the risk with it when, you know, when she created it for that Secret Santa group and all the other games that have come from it. Absolutely. So. And that's also a side note. If you're not a member, a Facebook member of the Puzzle People Games and Mystery Group, you should definitely jump on. You'll learn about games, really cool people, really cool projects that are out there. You should join that. That would be amazing. Now, we have one episode left in our year. It will not be covering a game, but Zach, give them a little teaser about what we're going to be talking about in that episode. Yeah, so... All I'll say is that it will be our 2021 year in review. There might also be at the very end a discussion of what year two will be like. I'm so excited about that discussion. Oh, agreed. It's it's funny. We've been we've been hinting at it, of course, in some of our episodes that we have more coming in the future. But I'm just excited that next episode is kind of like gonna be a fun discussion between me and Jared, kind of just discussing our year 
as well as kind of talking about the games that we got to play and the transformation that it's had for us, but also for the community. And then to go into the end and be like, well, I, we really hoped you liked year one, but you're about to be blown away with the things that we've learned and are going to do in year two. Super excited. Super excited for 2022. I can't wait to talk with you on that episode and to get hyped and excited for things that are coming. It's been a really great year, but we just want to say happy holidays to mm -hmm. everybody out there. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you really enjoy your time down with your family and your loved ones. And we will be here in the coming months to always talk about more games. Mm -hmm. So happy holidays, everyone. For Jared and Zach, this is Puzzling Company. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.